You are listening to The Exchange. I'm your host, Dr. Lorraine. Hello, everybody. I am so thankful today to have Shannon Robinson on The Exchange. We are going to be talking today about the subject of depression. And she is someone that has education and is a licensed social worker. And she knows a lot about this subject, has been dealing with many clients who have gone through this. And so I'm so excited for her to be talking to us about this today. Sister Shannon, thank you so much for coming on and being a guest for us this evening. I'm absolutely grateful, Dr. Lorenz. I appreciate you guys allowing me to be on the podcast. And I look forward to providing you with any support, education regarding this needed topic, especially in the United States. Pentecostal Church International. Yes, it is much needed in our organization. So we're going to jump right in, Sister Shannon. Why don't you go ahead and talk to us and tell us where you are from and so our audience knows a little bit about you. Okay, so I'm originally from New York. Um, My cultural background is part African-American and part Trinidadian American. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is Portuguese, Spaniard, Venezuelan from Trinidad. And my, like I said, my mom is African-American. Mm-hmm. I was in, I was born and raised in New York, lived there. And then through the military, I ended up in Virginia. And now I'm currently in Florida on my way to transition back to Georgia. Because I was there <laughs> last year because my husband and I just took on a pastor right there. And they our beautiful church, Truth Tabernacle of Atlanta. So, um And so that's where I'm from in a nutshell and where I am currently. (laughs) Okay, very cool. And you did mention to me earlier that you've done a lot of several capacities and ministry, several things. And tell us just some of the things that you and your husband have been involved in. Absolutely. So we served Bishop Cunningham for about 12 years. My husband was the assistant and the executive pastor at Bible World Church in Chesapeake. And then we transitioned for about a year and a half to two years on the evangelism field. So going to different churches providing support on a business side of the house and then as well as on a mental health side of the house. We were kind of like a holistic tag team duo, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, Also for the national church, as you would say, we worked with Building the Bridge, the OEE uh, AMP, which is Apostolic Moral Purity, and then the Center of Apostolic Counseling, so which I'm blessed to be a part of and provide services to. Okay. Tell me about your education. I didn't mention that you are a licensed social worker, licensed clinical social worker. What is your undergraduate in? And tell me about that, that journal, that journey. Absolutely. So um, prior military service, I did, I got my undergrad with a bachelor's in sociology when a minor in psych. Mm -hmm. I was kind of in between. I didn't know if I wanted to get my license in counseling or psychology. I had a very um, negative outlook. I'm just sad to say, but it's Mm -hmm. true. Um, in social work, <laughs> but uh, as I was doing, like um, partnering with one of my psychology professors, Dr. Bill, and I was partnering with another LCSW, which stands for Licensed Clinical Social Worker. Mm-hmm. I got my master's in social work in 2020, 2016, and I got my license as an LCSW in 2021. So, okay, very cool. So and a license, I'm sorry, so a social worker. Yeah, so a licensed clinical social worker, that is the highest licensure in the, for um, for the social work profession. Okay, and what are the things that you um, 
work with the most? So as a licensed clinical social worker, so you do, you work for the center of, well, you are part of the Center for Apostolic Counseling, but you see, do you see clients who are just apostolic or do you see people that are from outside of the church? Yeah, good, great question. And so just to add, I'm also certified in clinical anxiety and integrative mental health. And so looking at the holistic person, mm-hmm. but as an LCSW, which is, which allows me to practice, um, one of the things that people don't really understand about the CAC is that it's a network of providers. So okay. you have people that work in community mental health that can take, you know, patients, some people say clients, patients are interchangeable and see them, or you can have a private practice or you can do both. For me, I work for Western Tidewater Community Service Board, which is the local government for Virginia in Suffolk and different counties. And I also have a private practice. So I can see I can see more apostolics that are in Georgia and Virginia because that's where I'm licensed at, through my private practice. And then if you're in the state of Virginia within the region that I identified, then I can see as well through the Western Tidewater Community Service. Now, do you do, and this is something that I know our podcast listeners are going to want to know, do you do telehealth or do you, yes, you do. Okay. You provide that, not just in person, because I think that's a wonderful thing to know because, you know, being Virginia, Georgia, of course, you're not physically in both at the same time, but being able to see people online in telehealth, I think that is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, that you can provide. So yes, that's, that's wonderful to know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we're going to jump right in and just kind of talk about one, some of the major signs that someone is experiencing depression. So when you have a client who comes in or maybe um, even if you don't have a client, just if somebody wants to know, like, I think somebody that I love is experiencing depression. Like, how do I know if they are in fact depressed or they're just having a bad day? What would be the difference? How would you know that? So when you're looking at depression, because anybody can experience depression, but when you're looking, if it's a clinical diagnosis now, obviously you're not going to try and diagnose if you're just a person that's connected as a friend. Right. But if you recognize symptoms like crying spells, withdrawal, isolation, uh, they're talking about disordered eating, not necessarily eating disorder, but disordered eating, meaning that they're eating sporadically, they're not eating enough, or they're eating too much, which you will see with weight gain, excessive mm-hmm. weight gain or excessive weight loss. Um, sometimes they would appear disheveled. You notice that there is no range of emotion. Now, one of the things that I recognize with individuals is that they have this classic, you know, interpretation of depression as you're always looking sad and sullen, but it's really can be either one or two ways. Someone is not showing any emotions. They're excessively happy all the time. Hmm. Not no swing. Okay. They're always saying everything's okay. I'm okay. That's one side of it. And then on the other side, classical, more, you know, depressed, not really downtrodden fits for expression is, you know, not bright or cheerful. We call it affect. And so those are some of the some of the symptoms that you'll recognize. And another thing that you'll also recognize is issues with sleep. A lot of people who struggle with depression have issues with sleep. So they're not sleeping enough, they're sleeping too much, or their sleep is um, in- consistently interrupted throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Another area, now people may not be as keen, 
but body posture is also a reflection of mm. depressive symptoms as well. But that may not be as visible or noticeable. So I hope that answered your question. Yes, yes, that's a, some of the visible things that we can kind of see and observe. Like, um, So my next question is, is, is depression always a spiritual matter? Because the majority of the people that are going to be listening here are church members or part of the United Pentecostal Church International or other oneness organization. Um, and so is it always a spiritual thing? Because I know that many times we think that if somebody is depressed, that it's got to be something connected to spirituality or the, you know, something going on with them in that regard. So can, is that always the case? Well, as a someone who's a holistic, I don't really differentiate between spiritual, um, psychological, social, you know, f- physical or physiological. They're all kind of connected. I like to give this analogy to clients or patients that I'm working with. You know, if there's a part of the clock that is broken, okay, so a cog is not spinning correctly in the clock, and one part of it is messed up, then eventually, if that part is messed up, the rest of the other clogs are going to stop or cogs are going to stop spinning. And so I don't differentiate between spiritual and psychological or physical. The way that I assess is it's this, that what is the root of the issue, okay? Mm -hmm. Because you could have somebody coming in and it's a spiritual situation, quote unquote, but but it's also impeding in different parts of their life. So if they're feeling like they're disconnected from God, ultimately they're going to feel disconnected from people. Mm-hmm. If they feel disconnected from people, they're going to feel disconnected from themselves and not wanting to do the different daily tasks it's supposed to do for upkeep, whether it's physical or mental. So I don't encourage separation. What I do encourage is trying to assist that individual to determine what is going on, what is the root of the situation. Um, and so if you feel like, okay, this is a spiritual situation, meaning that you need to pray for this person, definitely pray. But whether it's spiritual in nature or if it's, you know, something socially in nature or psychologically in nature, negative thoughts, prayer is still required. But you want to make sure you assist with learning what the root is. I hope that makes sense. Yes. And it does make sense that you're talking about like holistically, that if one part of, you know, the body or the mind or one part of a person is struggling, then it would make sense that it's going to have an effect on other aspects of their life. And so it isn't just like, I I love that you mentioned like, okay, if they're disconnected from God, maybe they aren't praying enough, you know, that that could be the reason why they are showing depressive symptoms, but then it could be, okay, I lost my job or, you know, something else that happened. And so that could also, you know, dampen your relationship with God in a sense and maybe feeling like, oh, you know, kind of questioning God and and having a difficult time with that. And so that could also cause that feeling of depression and sadness. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to go ahead and also um, ask is is how many Christians that you see as clients are suffering from depression? Well, I see a lot of people suffering from depression. Um, I think a lot of times we have misconstrued and perceive that Christians don't. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say Christian, because again, I do work in public sector 
as well as private practice. So I have people of different denominations. And no mm-hmm. matter what the de- denomination is, it's an influx of people that identify with Christianity coming with depression. Besides anxiety, anxiety is the number one disorder that we face in America as in a whole. Mm-hmm. Depression is definitely the second because a lot of times people, this is also a telltale sign, when you're not expressing your emotions and your feelings and you're buying, you're kind of suppressing or repressing them, however you are managing or not uh, not managing them, what happens is you will experience depression. And so a lot of times, especially in the Christian faith, we have a misconception of, you know, fake it till you make it, or I shouldn't say this, or I can't be this honest and really open, et cetera. And that unresolved, you know, feelings, thoughts, et cetera, emotions turn into depression. And so I lo- experience a lot of people who identify as Christian coming in with depression. So what do you say to somebody who comes in and says, um, I am experiencing depression and I have prayed and I have prayed and I have prayed and I have fasted, but I'm still feeling depression. Are you, do you see people that have these kinds of you know, problems when they just feel like, or feel the shame of feeling like maybe they're not doing something right and it's not quite going away. And, and I mean, from a what I have seen, what I personally have observed is there are sometimes when people are, are facing this kind of stuff and our answer sometimes is just pray. And that sometimes is, you know, is helpful. Like you said, we should always pray no matter what. It is an important thing. And I always tell people the first line of defense is prayer. We always pray. Um, but what happens, you know, what should we tell people or or from as you know, a, a licensed clinical social worker, what do you tell people when they come in and say, I prayed, I prayed, and it's not going away? And I think that's, again, another misconception. You know, your prayer life, your fasting life is an aspect of your life. Um, it's more than just praying. It's getting up. It's walking. It's, you know, talking, staying connected with people. Because if you're praying and you're fasting, but you're not sleeping well, you're not resting when you're sick, when you're not connected to people, when you're not um, showering or doing hygiene, as we say, on a consistent basis. If you're not, you know, if for whatever reason you have negative thoughts and you're not managing or you're not unlearning or uprooting those negative thoughts, you can pray all day, but there's other elements that you need to tend to. And I think that's the issue. We have to make sure that we're attending to all parts and aspects of ourselves if we really want to, and it's not from a place of shaming, but a place of recognizing and awareness, if we want to come out of a depression, if we want to have depression, as we say, in remission, which is possible. Okay. And I do feel sometimes that we put, we think that you can just snap out of it, um, that it's just something that you can just you know, just get yourself, you know, pull yourself from your bootstraps, you know, you're feeling sad, um, just snap out of it. And I feel like there's a lot of shame that comes with being depressed. And, you know, no, I don't, nobody, I, I don't think anybody could possibly just de- want to be depressed. You know, it's something that 
you know, happens to you. It's not you wanting to be in any sort of state of sadness or depression. Nobody wants that for their lives. But I feel like there's so many times that there's a lot of shame in it um, because, you know, just get over it. You are not trying hard enough. Maybe you're not a strong enough person. It's showing weakness. Um, And so I think that that is usually more damaging, can be damaging to a person. That, that language is so damaging. Um, I think one of the things, and I'm trying to remember the exact verse of scripture, but it talks about it in the book of Isaiah, you know, when he says that he gave us the oil of joy uh, for sadness. And he, and I may be misquoting, so please forgive me, all you podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. He talks about the, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. and mm-hmm. But before we get there, it talks about this is what the people of Zion do to support the persons that's going through these things. Mm-hmm. And with depression, depression is in anything, anything that we're going through, no matter what the diagnosis is, this is not an individual, you take care of you. We have to come in as a community, as a collective, as a body of believers to get around people that are suffering with whatever it is. And of course, we're talking about depression this evening. And so, no, it's not a pull yourself out of your bootstraps. There are some steps and recommendations, techniques, et cetera, that you will have to do, you know, but you shouldn't be doing them alone without support. Um, and so that's a that's another misconception. And no one, like you said, wants to be depressed. Nobody wants to have that diagnosis. But what I do, because when you do feel shame, compassion is always required to come mm. back or dispel the shame. I like to encourage people that I'm working with. Why do you think this depression is showing up? How is this depression going to take you to the next level in who you are as an individual? How is this going to foster a new beginning in your life? Or if it's a Christian, what is God trying to reveal and open and show you in this moment? Mm. You know, let's look at it from a place of growth as a place of shaming and then condemning because everything we go through is for a purpose so right and I the person that stands out to me the most is when I think about depression in the bible I think about Elijah Mm -hmm. and I think about how this man just called fire down from heaven Matt Carmel had the high of his life and then the next chapter we're reading that he is like take my life Jesus you know not Jesus and yeah God (laughs) in the time but um you know, I think about that. And sometimes I think we think that you can't be a Christian and be depressed, that those things do not coexist. Mm -hmm. But yet we know that Elijah was still the man of God, even though he was suffering from depression. So I guess that's another thing that we need to, you know, dispel is, is understand that you can be a Christian. And you can also suffer from depression. Yeah. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, Humanity fell into a fallen state. We live in a fallen endemic nature. So we are susceptible to various forms of illnesses, infirmities, diseases. That's not a negative thing. That's just the reality of of where we're at. And that's okay to be honest, but it's not okay to act like that's not true because then we can't really address what we need to address and then ultimately let God get the glory from it. So that's right. So I wanted to ask, at what point does a person need to seek help for depression? Because there are several 
you know, levels of depression, you know, just feeling sad, having a bad day. So at what point does somebody need to seek a professional help, seek a counselor or, or seek some, some kind of do something Mm -hmm. other than just be at home and just continue to be depressed? Right. So some form of intervention, definitely. Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. And most of the time people will tell you, you know, if you're having you're always looking at duration, intensity, and frequency. So how long has this been happening? How frequent and how intense are your symptoms? But therapy counseling is moving away from that. If your life, if you are experiencing any form of discomfort or your your situ- your daily function is being impeded upon, you know, you you're not able to be your quote unquote best self, as they say. Seek help. You know, I think we need to get into the headspace of being preventive as opposed to intervening. Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, you recognize for a day or two or three or weeks, a couple of weeks, no, there's no issue of going to the doctor or going to your nutritionist or going to the therapist to say, hey, you know, I have been having some of these things happening. What do I need to do? And let them monitor it. If not, if they give you some medication, well, I'll talk about medication another time, but they give you some like recommendations of, you know, food. They give you some recommendations about what to do, what to eat, exercise, et cetera. And you recognize you're doing better. Great. But I don't encourage waiting too long. If you are definitely, if it's going past um, two months or three months, then you definitely want to go in and see somebody, but be preventive as opposed to interventive because one of the things with with depression is that you're very susceptible to suicide ideation and we don't want to get there. So. Right. And that is, that is the thing that I'm loving that you're saying is because we don't want to wait till it's all the way down the road. So it's so difficult and, and that we are considering that we're on the brink of considering, you know, that we don't want to no longer want to live. And instead when those things first start coming out, and starting to feel a certain way and can't or feel stuck or kind of can't get out of the rut, then, okay, let's start looking for help or let's start seeing what we can do so that this doesn't progress. Mm-hmm. So prevention and mm-hmm. before we start thinking about intervention, intervention when need to, but prevention right. is always best. So and, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and therapy, and that's another misconception. You know, people think that, you know, when your therapy is like, the worst mental issues in the world. So, but therapy can be just even a situation. Like we we have to shift our paradigm and just see it as another form of support. Just like you're going to get a checkup, maybe nothing is wrong, but you just want to get a checkup, make sure that everything's okay. You know, it's a part of your wellness as opposed to it's the last resort. It's an emergency situation. And I think that that is one of the things, the taboos that we also need to just dispel is that we think that you have to be seriously off your, you know, something seriously has to be going on in your life. Like you have to be at the point where you are getting ready to jump off a bridge just to consider seeing somebody. But, Mm -hmm. you know, and but that's not the case. Like I love that you said it's just like wellness. It's just like a checkup. It's just it should become so routine for us and the taboo should be non-existent so non-existent that we don't think twice about it you know what I'm struggling I'm gonna go and see somebody big deal 
Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be, should not be the big deal that I think sometimes it is. I think we're going in the right direction, but we still some sometimes have such a long ways to go in thinking about it. Like, oh no, um, um, you know, I'm going to a shrink or I'm going to somebody that's gonna, you know, <laughs> when in fact that's not that's not the case at all. It's it's definitely a, a positive thing instead of the negative thing. Um, so I wanted to go into you're talking about like the nutritionist and and um, I wanted to ask about what are some of the practical ways to dealing with depression? Like you said, if you're barely starting to see maybe some symptoms and having a couple of bad days, what are things that you can do to prevent it from getting worse? Or, you know, I know you said, you know, going to nutritionists, eating better, exercising, what are other kinds of things that you can do? Absolutely. So one of the things that the brain craves is two things, social connection. We were created this for this infrastructure you know god is a god of order not of chaos and so our brain resembles those facets and functions and so when you recognize that you're experiencing depression the first thing that you want to do is put yourself on a schedule okay because a lot of times depression uh, causes discomfort or disruption to different structures of the brain you have the amygdala the hippocampus and the dorsal medial thalamus And so those areas kind of help with learning and memory. And um, it also helps with the ability to have spatial navigation. So being able to move around. So you kind of feel disoriented. If you ever experience depression, you just kind of feel like blah or disoriented. But that's because those functions of the brain is being impacted by depression. Mm -hmm. So put yourself on a structure, you know, wake up at eight, you know, when as soon as you wake up, Woo, excitement, get that serotonin Mm -hmm. flowing, woo, okay, let the sun hit your face, vitamin D, you may also may look into getting, you know, magnesium, magnesium is a great way to assist with depression, Um, go on walks 15 to 20, 30 minutes a day, stretching is another great way to assist with depression, because we also find out that depression causes low blood flow, and anytime you have low blood flow or low oxygen, oxygenation, which is low oxygen to the brain and body, that can also cause you to be depressed. Um, Contacting people, you know, Mm -hmm. have people that you have not just connect with, because there's a difference of calling someone and not connecting with them, but having meaningful connections. Because there are people, they can be in a crowd of 100 and feel disconnected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Depression does that. It's not about how many people, but it's about how deep the connection is and so identify your purpose you know live a meaningful and purposeful life and then getting into nature one of the things that I love is that blue and green to the brain are natural relaxers and relievers Mm -hmm. and so it's amazing that the sky is blue the the trees are green God is very intentional um so you know those are practical things that you want to do and please and thank you make sure that you are finding ways to get into a a healthy sleep hygiene. And you are also moving your body. A lot of times people who are depressed, they're very enclaved, postures low, um, just the very sunken in. And so what happens is your mind will reinforce those thoughts of negativity and depression because your body is, that's what it's giving you. That's what you're feeling. That's what they're reinforcing. So be conscientious of extending your spinal cord, looking up, 
doing smiles. Like I had one of my patients, I would say, okay, let's do 10 smiles a day. What happens is when you're smiling, it releases those different happy hormones in the body. And so the depression is, or the chemicals that release depression or cause depression, or that's low, that's the neurochemicals that are not functioning the way that they should it would assist with releasing those experiences in the body and you're starting to come out. And gratitude, at least three gratitude statements a day. Gratitude is such a powerful tool when it comes to combating uh, depression. There's a lot more, but those are the ones that are off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Gratitude. And I love the smiling thing. And that's such a good thing to do because that's something impractical that we can purposefully do and be like, okay, I'm going to do 10 smiles today. And I'm going to say three things out loud that I am going to be grateful for that I am grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, when in my prayer time, one of the first things that I do in the beginning, and I guess, you know, is starting worship and, and trying to come into the presence of God, things that I'm thankful for. Thank you, God, for my family and for my church and, you know, just being thankful, um, even if everything is falling apart, just being thankful for um for what we have in this moment. So I do love that. So I wanted to ask as a person who um is seeing maybe somebody is going through a loss or is going through a transition or an illness, how can we support somebody in our churches or in our families who are experiencing depression, what is the part that we can play in helping them? Be present, you know, do not disconnect yourself because they're already feeling cognitively and physically or somatically, as we say, disconnected. So even if they, you feel like they're pushing you away, call them show up to their house if you're comfortable with it. I know we're like, I don't I guess we're post COVID now. So being conscientious of those pieces and elements, you know, show up, send a card, you know, this is where you really want to operate and function in the love of God and not just say it, but really show it and demonstrate it by your actions. You know, just social connection and contact can help with individuals that are struggling with depression so be the church. If that's, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. If they don't want to talk with you, just say, hey, you know, I'm just checking in, you know, just letting you know that I love you. Or if they say, hey, can I come over? I would love to play some games or, hey, come on, guys, let's go for a walk. Or, oh, my gosh, did you see that beautiful sunset? You know, be intentional about being in their lives. And that in itself, on your behalf, is medicinal for them. And it's going to be, you know, a blessing for you as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, that's good. Be the church. Be the church. Be present. Um, is there anything else that you would like us to know about depression that maybe people don't have an understanding about or maybe just another misconception about mm-hmm. depression in general? Absolutely. So one of the things that I really and you know, the more you get into the field, you do research, you know, you, even as clinicians, we're always growing and we may even us as human beings, we're unaware, we may use terminology that's inaccurate and that's okay because this is a changing field. But one of the things that I recognize in our churches is that we have this concept of chemical imbalance. And so depression, 
to be honest with you, when you look at the research, you know, it's not necessarily just a chemical imbalance. There are a lot of factors and that's why holistic care, having a concept of overall wellness is so important because people could have neurotransmitters such as serotonin, norepinephrine, and that's what antidepressants are. They could be taking those medications and but they're not connected to a house of worship. They're not connected to people. They're not taking care of their, you know, physiological needs such as showering and bathing, eating, etc. They're not, you know, taking care of their minds and their thoughts. And so, yeah, they're taking antidepressants, but nothing is changing because, yeah, they need those other elements. If you're sitting in a room all day taking 25 milligrams of Soloff, but you're not having meaningful relationships, all you're going to do is increase in dosage. It's more than just taking medication. It's more than trying to have a balance. You have to have the connections that come from um, those those neurotransmitters. Does that make sense? It's more than just trying to get those neurotransmitters. It's also about trying to have the experiences that come from them. And so chemical imbalance, you know, according to this, theoretically, it's not necessarily 100% true. So we just need to get back to the basics of living life in a very healthy way. And that makes sense that when how you're explaining it, because it's true, like if you are not, if you are taking medication, but you're not interacting or doing anything else. And one of the things that I've heard um, and understand from uh, research that I've done and and in my schooling is that some people can take medication, but the best, the best outcomes for treatment is when you're doing both therapy and medication that the two together that doing one without the other and in in an extreme case that if you're just taking medication and not doing therapy or interacting or talking about the issues or what's going on like you said the root of the issue then you're just basically just throwing a bunch of medication and just trying to numb the pain without actually doing something to or talking about it Mm -hmm. or moving forward to trying to change it absolutely and so if there's no that's why i said you have to have a holistic approach to care and it's not just and i know i'm a therapist but it's not just therapy too because you could be going to sessions every once a week twice a week or not everybody does but once a week or every other week or however many times but if you're not doing things independently or in groups that can also alter outcomes as well. So you want to make sure you're doing everything, therapy, nutrition, um, you know, socialization, spiritual connection, all of those helps with remission for depression. And so what I do with all of my patients that come and see me, I put them on a wellness protocol. So we'll go through an assessment and we'll assess every area, physical self, social self, spiritual self, the psychological self, and we'll determine what areas are messed up, you know, or not it's functioning at best or optimal capacity. And once those areas have, we've addressed them and they're getting on a routine and cycle, then we can really meet the root, as I said earlier, and you chime in and say, of the issue. And you'll notice again that those symptoms will greatly be reduced 
medication also. Some people actually reduce their medication and come, come off of it. Because again, medication is a synthetic. You naturally produce those things in your body. But if you're not engaging in activities that help with the production of it, then you know obviously you're going to need some support from something that is external, like a synthetic or a nutraceutical, which is natural um, medication. Okay. And that makes perfect sense because you're saying that these things are, you know, serotonin and all of these things are being created by your body um, naturally, and they're not making these kinds of these hormones. Um, It's usually because like you said, they're not engaging in, in certain activities or getting enough sunshine or vitamin D or doing all of those things that are necessary for them to be active in your body and in your brain. Um, is there, do you see, um, clients that maybe are doing all of the things, you know, are, are socially engaging with other people are getting exercise. Do you feel like for the majority that that kind of takes away the depression or do you feel like there still are those people in extreme cases that still need medication? Or do you think that it really is about trying to get, those hormones released by other activities. So I've seen I've seen individuals that who have their they are the epitome of health, but they're still struggling with depression. And it's a lot of times it's because of unresolved trauma, unresolved hurt, unresolved pain. So that's when we're really doing some cognitive work. Going in, you know, depending on what treatment modality you use, CBT, um, DBT, we have a whole bunch of them but we're really focusing on cognition and even somatic releases because the body stores a lot of these pain. And we talk, talk about psychosomatic and people have a negative concept of psychosomatic, but anyway, I'm not going to talk about that. Mind and body connection is real. And so if you're feeling physical pain from depression, that's not in your head. That's not fake. That's actually happening. But anyway, um, but as we do a lot of cognitive work, some somatic work. Then we recognize when they have new thought patterns, they're more, the amygdala a lot of times is enlarged and that's why they're more prone to ne- negativity. So when it starts to shrink and come down, hippocalamus is getting larger, then you'll notice that the depression and negative thoughts go away and they're truly the optimal person for help, the poster child. Mm-hmm. Now, also, I've had clients that have gotten on the wellness protocol, left therapy, and then a year, two years, they're coming back. And a lot of times it's either because they've fallen off of the protocol bandwagon, so to speak, or they had a new situation that has completely rocked their world mm-hmm. and they need to come back and, you know, get stabilized again. And that's okay because that's humanity, you know. Right we need each other. And so if I'm here to support you to get back where you were or even greater, because maybe there were some things that needed needed to be exposed to your depressive episode, who knows, God can use it. And so, yes, I've seen both sides of the house. Um, but it's, but what I have consistently seen is if you get on a wellness plan, if you live life through wellness, depression symptoms subside Mm-hmm. And then we can really get to the root of what's causing, what is the issue that is causing you to experience these depressed symptoms. Okay, I, I think I'm, I understand that what you're saying 
with that is that there may be some things like trauma in the past or some things that maybe they thought that they had gotten through or they're no longer having to deal with, but underneath the surface, it is what's causing the depression. And so maybe they haven't exactly dealt with those things. And so in this case, it could be a good thing if they're going for help, because that means that they're uncovering this stuff and kind of like an infection, getting it all out. Beautiful. And so they're able to address it and bring healing to it and then to move on and feel whole, you know, because yeah. I'm thinking like, you're right, even if you're doing all the things you're going on, you know, on a hike every morning, and you're taking your vitamin D, you're hanging out with your friends, but you're still having issues, you're still feeling this, you know, maybe deep sadness, it may just be because there's just something that you just haven't, haven't addressed. So I think that's a really great point that you just brought up that, um, this doesn't always have to be a negative thing that it can be something that can be definitely turned around if we're looking at it through the right eyes and, uh, and considering it. Is there anything else, any last comments, remarks that you want to make about depression? I think what I would like to say is mental health on a whole, like I really want to encourage everyone to see it as something that is curable. It's treatable it's not a quote unquote death sentence. It's nothing to be afraid of. Um, like I said, it can be used as a tool to get you to a better place mm-hmm. in life, better connections, more healthy relationships, more you know, health conscious in regards to your overall wellness. And so if we see mental health from that perspective of, wow, I'm going to a journey to becoming better, then I think the stigma would be removed. Um, and again, you know, God uses all things for his glory and you don't know what you could be going through could be for your brother or sister. The Bible says that adversity is for your brother, for your brother. So look at it from this perspective. How is God getting the glory through the situation? And it's a great anchoring thought that helps with hope so you can move forward. Okay. I love that. Thank you so much. I do believe that having an understanding of depression and how this works and what things we can do to prevent it from getting worse and is going to be helpful because this is this we need more of this stuff. We need more of this education, enlightenment, and understanding about how uh, mental health works. So thank you so much, Shannon, for allowing us to pick your brain today, allowing me to pick your brain today. And um I am thankful for what you do. And so if any of you guys have anybody that you know or you uh, in the Virginia or the Georgia area, please contact Sister Shannon Robinson. Thank you so much. Um, So you are listening to The Exchange. We are signing off today. God bless you all. God bless. Thank you.